Welcome to another edition of USAV Bandwidth, where we discuss everything from A to V and beyond. Here joining with me today as our guest, Wayne Dean from Snellings and Walters Insurance Company. But actually, uh, before we dive into that, actually, Wayne was part of the soft launch. He was there with us in Chicago back in May. But we are actually in the process of transitioning from USAV to Edge. We uh, recently launched a new brand in late June and really excited for USAV to make this transition. And so part of that, we're changing this podcast from just USAV to more USAV, we're now Edge and PSA and making it more uh, holistic from a security and AV standpoint. So like I said, today we are joined with Wayne here and we're going to talk a little bit about cyber insurance. It came up as one of the topics in, in May in Chicago as a side conversation, but more and more people are now investing in it as opposed to just talking about it. So I thought it'd be good for uh, Wayne to come in and give some of his insight as to what he's seeing in the market. So Wayne, why don't you just give us a little background on, on you and your firm and all things insurance-wise? Yeah, thank you, Patrick. Glad to be here. Appreciate the partnership with USAV, now Edge. Yeah, Wayne Dean, I'm a partner at Snellings Walters. We've been around for a long time. Our agency's uh, located in Atlanta, Georgia, and we're still one of the privately held insurance firms in the state of Georgia and across the country. Cyber has been the main topic with all of our clientele, with all of our associations that we have partnered with. It is something that's important to every single client whether you're a small company or a large company, you are vulnerable to a cyber attack. The statistics don't lie and um, be happy to share some more information about that as we go. So Wayne's been a, a longstanding PSA partner. And just recently, we've had a bunch of conversations and brought him on as a partner on the USAV Edge side. And it's funny because I think that the timing was perfect because recently I've had a, a few integrators reach out to me specifically and say, hey, do you guys have anybody for cyber insurance for insurance policies? And I was like, yes, I do. Wayne is the guy. So Wayne, let's talk a little bit high level from an integrator's perspective. They're hearing about it from other integrator firms and they're hearing about it from their own customers that they're now required to carry certain types of cyber insurance policies. So what questions are you hearing from these guys? What should they be looking for in terms of a policy like this? Well, when we meet with our clients, we first ask them, is there a requirement from a customer where there's a certain limit that is being required for our clients to carry? Second, budget. Cyber is becoming more expensive. In 1997, when cyber was formed by Steve Haas, it was designed to protect us on an individual basis, right? To help protect us from credit card theft, identity theft. And that's changed and evolved over the last years. And so from a company perspective, I would say the number one threat to a business is a cyber attack. Ransomware has been the number one claim in the industry at this point. When I run the numbers and benchmark what what integrators and USAV clients are doing, we see an average of one to two million dollars of coverage limits requested required. So that's kind of the norm at this point. The big thing that comes out of it is with the increase in premiums comes how much can a business afford? How much can they afford to carry? And certainly that's, that's changed. And those conversations have been more difficult with our clients as the market has spiked in the last two years. We're seeing on average, a claim currently running about $4 million in, on average. That's a cyber attack, whether it's a ransomware, whether that's extortion, whether that's first party or third party. So that gives you an idea what the running average is per claim is a $4 million claim. We try to use those analytics to see what our clients need. 
I've heard of some integrators saying, oh, my current insurance broker, they can bolt on a cyber policy. Is that a good way to go? Is that typically what most people do? Do they do they go to, to a separate broker for cyber specific? What's the best practice there? Well, you want to vet your broker to know that he understands a what a cyber policy is going to carry and number two, the marketplace. And there are some really good brokers out there that do that well and have understood and educate the entities and the clients that they do business with. The biggest challenge is not all cyber policies are the same. It's not like taking an auto policy where you're going to get a million dollar limit for liability on a truck or a van, right? You have the options of comping collision to carry physical damage on your vehicle. That's not the same in the cyber world. You have to understand what, first off, what coverages you're applying for. And second, are you able to get that amount of insurance for all of the carriers? For example, if you're carrying ransomware at a million dollars, you may ask for social engineering, which is another big topic in the cyber space. And a lot of policies will sublimit that amount to 250000 So if the broker doesn't understand that, then the client certainly won't understand that. And they're buying a product that they're not going to get a comprehensive policy. So first question is asked is to see if the broker understands it and it can give out some options. If they don't feel as comfortable, then they can have a discussion with, I would encourage them to explore the marketplace and talk to other brokers. I love it. Social engineering. That's That sounds like a fun topic. <laughs> Yeah, we can go on for hours about several of these topics inside of cyber policy, but I know we're limited on time. No, yeah, I, but it's good to know because like you said, it's you want to make sure that you are comparing apples to apples when you do get that quote because it's not as easy as comparing an auto and policy. So social engineering and any other um, subcategories can really get into the weeds and you got to be careful. So what other gotchas should folks look out for when it comes to purchasing a policy? Well, you want to make sure the carrier is in this space on a regular basis. There are about 230 cyber carriers in the market right now, and wow. there's probably about 20 that do it well. Hmm. Uh, we've vetted all these carriers with inside our firm, and I know a lot of brokers have along the way that I speak to. So under knowing that your carrier, not only does your broker understand the risk, but un- making sure that the carrier understands the risk as an integrator or in the USAV space. So those are just things to be looking out for. I think, too, when you're filling out an application, it's very important to identify and give as much information to that broker so that that carrier understands your business. Material misrepresentation is probably the number one fault that we see along the way with customers that have come to us. They don't have a claim paid because they didn't tell them that they had MFA in place. They tell them that they're completely secure or they have an IT guy that doesn't maybe understand the cyber market. So just making sure that you fill out complete applications to tell your story so that the cyber market can reward you with protecting your risk appropriately. Wow. Throwing around these terms, I'm... (laughs) <laughs> I'm a little caught off guard with MFA. It was the MFA, is that what you said? Yeah, multi-factor authentication. And, uh, and talking about that in the marketplace right now, of those 20 to 25 carriers that do cyber insurance well, in our opinion, about 18 of those are going to require MFA. So if an integrator or a USAV client is not doing MFA at this point and they're not doing multi-factor authentication, whether that's through Office 365 or any other software, they need to do that. We're having daily conversations with people saying, this is a, a movement that you have to do. This is a, a, 
best practice that you have to implement inside your business in order to be insured, quite frankly. It's not a matter of whether you're going to get preferred pricing. It's whether you get insured or not. And so we're seeing multiple declinations from carriers because clients or prospects don't have MFA in place. So that's priority number one for anybody listening when it comes to securing options in the marketplace is to implement MFA. So when you guys receive an application, do you do some due diligence on your end to, with the integrator to kind of dig in to see what their office practices are and, and what they do on a daily basis to see how much at risk they are? No question. It's my duty to do that. In order to present them with the best story to the marketplace, I've got to be able to gather as much information from a security perspective and from a software perspective. When they complete those applications, it's like completing a mortgage application, right? I mean, you want to make sure that you're given appropriate information, you're given accurate information so that they can secure your risk and protect you. And so, and a lot of that has to do with not so much limits as it is talks about your best practice inside your organization. Do you have an IT team? Do you have a lot of these groups that we talk to don't have a full secure IT group, right? They may have one IT specialist that works on their staff. So that's even more important that you're answering those questions thoroughly so that we can get you protected and, and identify some gaps too. So it's important for me and, and the carriers to identify where we can improve if there's some vulnerability or some improvement to be made. We want to identify those areas. So it's just important. And then two, we like to read contracts. If you have a contract with a customer that's requiring you to carry a certain limit of insurance, we want to know why. We want to understand that. We can benchmark that against other uh, like-minded clientele that are in this space, but we can also say you're going to have trouble getting a $5 million limit with no MFA. We know that up front. So then we can immediately be proactive and work with that customer to implement what's needed. Office 365 is what our firm has gone to. We've implemented a lot of MFA software because of Office 365 requiring a lot of this. So if you are moving into a direction, and again, I'm not an IT specialist, but we're hearing that Office 365 is becoming a lot more popular and with the protection protocol in place. So we talk a lot about their own internal processes and our internal IT teams and stuff. But a lot of our integrators are actively out in their marketplace installing these systems and putting things on other people's networks. So how does that tie in? Well, it's part of the cyber coverage is a first party, meaning somebody comes into your system and penetrates into your system. And then the other third party side is, is that if we cause the breach, and that and that that can even go a step further to say was it the installation piece that caused the breach of the third party or was it the design of the product so we've always believed in blending errors and admissions which is your professional liability and your cyber policy together to create no gaps between those two products. We've seen court cases over the years where a cyber standalone policy and an ENO standalone policy or written through the general liability have both been on the hook for a potential claim because the actual trigger is to be determined. Was it the design of it or was it the installation fault? So the contractor themselves, the integrator themselves are negligent and first off responsible for protecting their own system so that it doesn't get cause and effect onto a third party, but also they're responsible for installing that product to protect the security of the customer. Certainly a lot to consider from an integrator's perspective. And I think that's why a lot of them have been talking about it for a while, but are trying to figure out the best way to dive in 
head first because there's just so much to, to understand and figure out. And also it's expensive. So how do they budget for it? I mean, these are just some of the things that we've been hearing as to what they're looking for and why they're, they're taking their time to try and figure out. There's a lot of questions to be asked. The bottom line is, like you said, it's the number one risk to their business, right? I agree. And if you look at historical data, you can look at an auto policy and say, wow, they started writing insurance back in the 50s. From a cyber perspective, the data is not there. It's not supported. 1997 was the first year they rolled out a cyber policy with AIG. If you fast forward that, that risk in itself, as we talked about, is completely different. So from an analytical perspective of an insurance company, they're looking at it going, I don't know what I was going to pay out five years ago. So I price it a lot better than it is today because the actual risk are higher. The claim numbers are higher. And so from a budgeting perspective, it's hard to tell clients how to budget. What we can tell them is, is that the more security measures and best practices you have in place, the better story we're going to be able to give to the carrier and the better result we're going to get from a premium perspective. And then also the type of clientele that you work with, that also factors in too. If you're working on hospitals or if you're working in municipalities, you're working in school systems, governmental buildings, you become maybe a little bit higher risk than if you're just working on an office park or industrial park, even if you work in homes, residential. The higher the risk you see is typically in, in those spaces of municipalities, governmental places. So it's, it's really hard to tell somebody how to budget but we can guide them in along the way to help create some of those best results. That's interesting. I, it makes sense, but I never really thought about the vertical markets that they serve will also determine the policy and the coverage. So that, that's interesting to, to hear as well. Any other tips or tricks that you could offer to the integrators looking to jump in headfirst and fully secure their company to prevent a, obviously, oh, I hear all the time, it's not if, it's a matter of when. So what can integrators do from a tips and tricks perspective to get themselves covered with the right coverage, with the right broker, all of that? How can they get started quickly? Yeah, I think you form a team inside your operation, include your IT guy and management, and then you explore options. If you don't have a cyber policy in place, you absolutely need to move in that direction. Have a conversation with your current broker or call our firm or any firm that you feel confident in having those conversations with. Secondly, you need to have a response plan. If, as you said, it's not if, it's when, when that cyber attack happens, what are the steps are you going to take to turn that claim in? What are going to be your next things that happen? Because that's going to mitigate a lot of the, the loss itself. That's your money. That's your systems. How are you going to function if your systems held ransom? So there are practices out there and there are data response plans out there. We do it with our customers that identify who are the most important people in your organization that need to be involved in the case. And then what are your protocols if and when this happens? And if you can do those steps, A, you'll mitigate the loss. And number two, you'll have expertise on your side very early, whether it's consultation, forensics, defense, or your own broker. Those are all key areas to, um, to help that when it does happen. I really appreciate your time, appreciate your insight, and I hope this helps our integrator community kind of understand all the different options and also the risks that are involved if they don't invest in this. Wayne, thank you so much. Obviously, if, if anybody has questions, they can reach out to PSA or Edge, then they can also reach out to you as well. We like to thank you for the partnership and all that you guys have done for the PSA side. And we're looking forward to obviously growing that on the Edge USAV side. Thank you so much. 